The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. There's no crying in baseball! No crying! And this game's underway. Into the windup of his first offering. Just a bit outside. Here's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. Oh, my God. Deep to right field. Way up there. High, oh, high. And look who's coming up. You talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Here's the payoff pitch. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome into Payoff Pitch. We are Action Network's MLB betting podcast. The second half of the baseball season is here. Payoff Pitch is presented by BetMGM. Brendan Glasheen joined by Charlie DeSterco and Anthony Tabundo. We're here Mondays, Tuesdays, and Fridays during the season. Of course, we had the All-Star break. Uh, let's get this out of the way. We'll spend a quick 30 seconds on this. We just saw each other in New York City. Great home run derby sweat on Monday. And then uh, DeBundo and I, Charlie, I know you had other matters to attend, which we will not share on the podcast. But DeBundo, myself, Sean Zarillo, Stucky got involved as well. Sweating out the NL on Tuesday night. And I feel like that's worth bringing up because we were all together. Watched the Diaz home run live in real time. And then Craig Kimbrell. My gosh. That yeah, guy. Gonna... Oh, yeah. And there's 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 DeBundo. Oh, easiest one, two, three inning ever. It wasn't one, two, three, of course. It didn't go that way. But uh, if you hit the NL, great. I hope you listened on the Action Network podcast. We are back to regular business as usual here at Payoff Pitch. So uh, let's dive in. A lot to get into because uh, we've got markets available for win totals uh, to make or miss the playoffs also available. We'll get to that at the end of the show. We're going to focus mostly on the slate because that's important for how you want to bet baseball today. So let's dive right in. Debundo, you can go first. A best bet for Friday. Everyone's in action. Yes, it was very nice to meet you in person finally, Brendan. And uh, I was never really Oh, yeah, that's t- that too. Nice to meet you in person. Yeah, that was good. It, yep. it was never really in doubt with Kimbrell. Uh, had to be him in the ninth inning. Uh, Bednar was the, was the ask from Stucky and Zarilla. They were whining for Bednar, but uh, Kimbrell got the job done. My best bet for Friday is Charlie's New York Mets and the LA Dodgers under eight and a half. Minus 108 out there right now would play it up to minus 115. Uh, I'm starting to buy back in on Justin Verlander just based on some of the stuff and the underlying swinging strike rates that I'm seeing in his numbers in the last 30 days. If you just sort by stuff plus and all the major league baseball, Verlander is in the top 10, which is interesting because at no point last season was that the case. Uh, Verlander won the Cy Young. 
based off, mostly off of a command-based profile, uh, and his stuff was not as dominant. Well, he's actually found some stuff on uh, the fastball and some of his breaking pitches to the point where I'm buying back in on Verlander, potentially in the second half, as the Mets kind of figure some things out here with their rotation, which has been largely a mess in the first half. Uh, you can see it, though, in the swinging strike rates. Uh, 13.7 against the Giants was an imp- improvement. Uh, and so I'm, I'm starting to you know believe a little bit more in Verlander overall. Uh, also, Julio Arias is back. Uh, he missed some time with an injury, but this puts the Mets in their worst offensive split. And I was hoping that this would be, you know, with the call-ups, the Mets would start to hit better against left-handed pitching. And it's somewhat been the case. Uh, they haven't been as split-dependent, but they are still worse against the southpaws uh, and project that way as well. So I'm going to take the under here, both bullpens being rested. Neither bullpen's very deep. Uh, they both rely heavily on kind of the top two guys being pretty good, um, maybe a third in the case of the Mets. But it's been when these bullpens have been pushed because of subpar starters that they've gotten beat up this year. Uh, that's not really as much the case tonight with the extended rest off the all-star break. So under eight and a half for me, Dodgers, Mets. Okay, first start for Urias since uh, well he got he got back at the beginning of the month of course and had last pitched in uh, in May. So and the Dodgers are a favorite here on the road in New York. Apple TV game this evening as well. An under on Apple TV. That's very bold of you, Debundo. Just going back to when the Apple TV package started. Um, Charlie and I had already met, so we don't you know he doesn't have to share a story about meeting me in person unless he has any you know great takeaways, but. Uh, Hi, Charlie. What do you got for a best bet on this Friday? I will say that when Kimbrell came in, my thought was somewhere, some way, the bundle is going to be screaming about how Craig Kimbrell's the right decision as he blows this, which fortunately he did not as an NL backer myself. My first five under Cincinnati, Milwaukee is my best bet. Uh, Corbin Burns against Graham Ashcraft. Corbin Burns is a very interesting case here. You look at his numbers across the board and you'd think that, wow, he's not the same pitcher as he has been in years past. That's not the case. He's actually been above average in just about every metric, his expected ERA in the mid threes. And he's not striking out as many batters, but it's not because of a dip in velocity or a dip in spin rate or any of that in particular. He's still remaining the same pitch mix, the same arsenal. So I'm expecting that that swing and miss stuff to continue to come back. And actually, if you look at how he's performed this season compared to years past, the year that he broke out, the COVID year in 2020, his hard hit rate was actually higher then than it is now, despite his ERA being over a run and a half higher. So I'm expecting positive regression from Corbin Burns as long as he's in Milwaukee or maybe he might be traded at the deadline. But I think he's going to have no problem here shutting down the Cincinnati Reds bats. And Graham Ashcraft, a very interesting guy as well. Uh, he's dominant in April and then was slaughtered in May and for the most part of June. But over his last two starts, he's looked a lot better, 12 and two-thirds of just two-run ball. I think that there's a lot there with news battling injury. He relies on pinpoint accuracy because he doesn't generate that many swings and misses and strikeouts. Well, strikeout rate's up a little bit. And the biggest difference, I think, and why he's struggling a little bit more this year is he's got a 17% home run to fly ball rate. That's not sustainable. It's going to go back down to that 10 to 13 range. He's giving up a lot of hard contact, and his BABIP is up in the 318 range. So I'm expecting that to come down as well. I think both these pitchers have good matchups on their hands tonight. So I'm back in the first five under five and a half. I just think it's way too many runs for Burns, who is still a very above average near elite starter, and Ashcraft, who I have been 
high on since he came up in the bigs and think he's kind of turned a corner here in the last few starts. Find out if we get some clarity in this division in the second half. I highly doubt we do, Debundo. Yeah, let's. Uh, I'll touch on this game since I have two bets in it. Uh, I, I do like Milwaukee tonight. Uh, anything short of minus one twenty is fine. There are still minus one twenties out there. Uh, I wrote a column, two columns this week. One of which was pitches I'm looking to bet on in the second half of the season. Uh, the market does not like Corbin Burns this year. There's somebody out there who has consistently pounded um, the other team against Burns all year long. I think it was warranted early in the season when he was openly discussing uh, and kind of going at reporters about his loss in fastball velocity and the strikeouts were way down. But, uh, you know, the last seven starts, Burns has kind of found uh, the swinging strike rate a little bit more, the fastball velocity a little bit more. Stuff Plus is still uh, very good, top seven uh, in all of baseball. <clears throat> the thing about Burns uh, is that, you know, the early season woes have kind of been pushed aside. So I'm not as worried about him. The Reds remarked on Friday when they saw him last weekend that it was the best stuff they'd seen all year. Could it be that they just got, you know, shoved on? Possibly, but certainly a rave review of Burns from the Reds lineup could generate a lot of whiffs and chases. This this Reds lineup, very young, very aggressive. So that will be interesting. On the other side, Ashcraft. Now, we've talked about him as a stuff plus darling because he's got two really, really good pitches. The cutter and the slider are both very good. But if they're the only two pitches you have, uh, hitters can kind of key in. The lefties are going to expect uh, the, the cutter and the righties are going to expect the slider and you become very keyholed. And he has gotten crushed as a result. First 25 pitches of his outings, uh, OPS allowed 703. Pitches 26 to 50, jumps to 919, then 830, and then 925. So you're kind of seeing like a relievery profile unless he can develop a third pitch. That's the only concern for me with Ashcraft as he tries to navigate a lineup multiple times. Also, the Reds' defense is pretty below average. So I do like the Brewers. I agree with Charlie. I'm also on the under. Uh, just love this matchup for Corbin Burns. Uh, and don't think it should be 10. I think it should be nine and a half. So uh, I also played the under. Hopefully Ashcraft doesn't blow up too bad uh, for us and uh, can kind of get through this lineup maybe a time and a half, two times uh, before the Reds turn over to their rested bullpen, which again, I think plays a big role coming off these big breaks. You know, we always say favorites do well on opening day. Well, this is kind of like a quasi opening day <clears throat> in the sense that the bullpens are well rested. You can find DeBundo's write-up, seven undervalued pitchers to bet on in the Action app, actionnetwork.com. He leads the article with Corbin Burns, so he, he means it. That's the lead. That's what he's trying to grab your attention with, and he delivers here on the podcast. It's find interesting. Oh, Burns, ahead. this is the first time in a while that Burns has not been bet against from the Open. Last start, even against Abbott on Friday, like the Open, minus 125, 130 at home. Closed a pick em, you know, minus 115, 110. Uh, today, the, the market has not moved at all against Burns, which I think is interesting. The fact that it hasn't moved uh, could be a sign that somebody's starting to you know, turn their opinion on Burns maybe in the second half. Okay, let's move on. Let's find out if we're going to fade the public today. It's Baltimore, gentlemen. The gods will not save you. I was looking at the app on, on Wednesday night, and one of the most bet games I saw from our action crew and from the public is the Miami Marlins. They are visiting the Baltimore Orioles. Sandy Alcantara is on the mound. Money is coming in on the Marlins. What? Why are you laughing? Because it's Alcantara. You do this Alcantara. Every time. What did I say? Alcantara. I'm sorry. Alcantara. <laughs> it's what? It's one of those words where, or one of his names. I read it and I, I think I know I'm going to say it, but I get nervous to say it. I'm at that point yeah, now. And I, when I saw I, I, all of you, you yeah. all gave me crap for it, and I deserve it's, it. Alcantara. 
It's like it's like uh, it's like Dean Kramer and Kramer and like people try to like mix it. And it's it's Kramer, but you're afraid to take that that next step. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And he's got you know three syllables there, so you get that first one right. Alcantara. Thank you. <laughs> Apologies, Sandy. It is a Sandy day for Action Network betters. Charlie Debundo, Tanner McGrath, the fish fan. There it is. Um, the public <laughs> likes Sandy as well, Debundo. Are you also, well, I already said it, you're on board. Does the public money concern you? Nah. Uh, Sandy last Friday uh, looked very good. Uh, my best bet on last Friday's show was the Marlins money line against the Phillies. Uh, and we should have won. And we gave up a two out two run Homer in the bottom of the ninth and Christian Pache was the hero. And it was kind of a bittersweet moment as a better and as a fan of, of varying uh, conflicted interests in that game. But I was impressed with what I saw from Sandy in that matchup. Uh, the swinging strike rate was a little bit better. He had five strikeouts and 6.2 innings. He scattered a lot of uh, kind of flare hits uh, didn't walk anybody, which is encouraging. Uh, and I think this Baltimore lineup uh, is, is at the peak of the market. You know, we saw this, uh, it's harder to project younger players, but we saw this uh, just prior to the All-Star break in those series against the Twins and the Yankees where Baltimore is now getting to a point where it's really hard to bet them uh, on a game-to-game -game basis because the market has really upgraded them for these rookies and whether it's Rutschman, Kowser, uh, Henderson, uh, you know, some guys are rookies, some guys are second-year players. Um, and so even Westberg to the lesser extent, so I think it's harder to project the Orioles, but I think there's a lot of Kool-Aid in the market on this team right now, and I'm kind of going against it uh, with a starting pitcher who's at least a half run better, depending on what you think of Dean Kramer. I, you know, like I think we were maybe a little too hard on Kramer early in the season because most of his issues were just extreme batted ball problems, uh, and the, the underlying peripherals were never that bad. Uh, but I still have him close to a five ERA pitcher going forward, uh, which is more than a run worse than Sandy. So... Uh, I like the Marlins here and the bullpens uh, aren't all that different. I know Cano and Bautista are good, but this Marlins back end has proven itself to be a, an average league average unit. Uh, so I trust the fish here uh, as a, as a road underdog, I would take them anything plus money. So Charlie, you have a different angle on this. And I'm actually curious because of what DeBundo just laid out about the Marlins bullpen. You just want to go first five on Miami. Why, why the lack of confidence or if there's another reason why you want to go first five in this matchup i mean you know i just for me i value cano and bautista pretty highly and leaps and bounds higher than the marlins bullpen which debundo is right in general they've graded out a lot better than everyone thought before the season and they're they are a good bullpen but for me i just think that the at a, as an underdog priced i got it minus 105 sandy versus kramer it's a complete in, in favor of Sandy. So that's why I hopped on the first five. It's just take out the bullpens, just go straight onto the starting pitching matchup. And I think it's way too stark of an advantage toward Miami in which I joined on uh, the fish. I mean, you look at Sandy, he's got a sub four FIP and X FIP around four. He's a positive regression candidate. He's been hit around as DeBundo mentioned, dink and dunk hits. He's got a near 300 batting average on balls in play. That's something that's going to come down. That's 20 points higher than what his career average is. And his left on base rate is 64 and a half percent. That is another number way too low compared to career averages. I think that the market is actually, you know, we talked and Devon mentioned it a little bit and how the Marlins, the market's so high on them. 
it was the same deal with Sandy when we entered the season, right? He, he came off being the action darling of last year, the Cy Young winner. And then you come into this season and he's completely overvalued. He was an innings eater. So there was due for negative regression and that hit him. But I think you're looking at this pitching matchup and this matchup in general and how Contras become undervalued at this point in time. And then last week he was a bit too. And Debundo had the right track. I was on the first five under in that matchup, but on the right track with that Alcantara has looked a lot better as of late. He's continued to have his ground ball right around that 50% rate. So he should mitigate damage. He's pitching a lot better. And Kramer, uh, listen, I, I'm not like the bundle where I think that his pitch profile is a little bit better than what people think. And I, I'm completely on the fate of him. I mean, his expected ERA up in the five and a half range, bottom 10% and expected batting average, expected slugging, bottom 20 in a hard hit rate and exit velo. So I just think that, you know, when you have a guy like Kramer who gives up a ton of hard hit balls, his bell rate jumped over nearly 4% year over year from last season, and he doesn't give up a lot of ground balls, the hard hit balls are eventually going to tattoo and end up in the gaps or in the stands. So I like the Marlins here over the first five, not getting the bullpens involved. Some late money, and by late, I mean late last night into this morning coming in on Baltimore. So if you want to go back in on the Marlins, plus money available on the money line and minus 110 for the first five innings. Yeah, and Sandy's kind of in the burn thing where he's taking a lot of money against him pretty consistently, including last week. Uh, I was surprised to see that market move toward Wheeler. Uh, the Phillies closed like minus 140, moved against me. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think maybe we need to do a better job kind of timing the market there if we expect uh, certain pitchers continuously getting bet against as the day goes on. I'm happy to disagree. Uh, and in this case, I do. Hello, you know us. We're a Major League Baseball team. But nobody recognizes us, not even in our own hometown. Underdogs. I was looking at Sean Zarello, of course, friend of the friend of the program. Opening pitch write-up is available at Action Network as well. Zarello doesn't normally do our Friday show. He's focused on UFC. It's behind the curtain. Um, but not just Zarello, but mo- a lot of you are on underdogs today and like Tabundo brought up rested bullpens might make underdogs slightly undervalued so a lot of dogs that I think both of you guys are interested in Tabundo do you have an underdog that jumps out to you for Friday I do Uh, I'm going to go with the Kansas City Royals uh, plus 240 uh, against the Tampa Bay Rays and I'm also going to play some plus two and a half uh, against Tyler Glass now and Tampa uh, you ever watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, the 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 episode when they go to Cabo and Jeff says, you're not going to get me to say anything bad about Mickey. You're not going to get me to say anything good about Alec Marsh. Uh, he is not a major league starting pitcher. And I think that his command is reliever level. Uh, Stuff Plus says that he's okay. You know, he's around league average and Stuff Plus. But he uh, and the strikeout rates are, are okay in the sample that we've seen, like 23.8% is respectable but his lack of command is a real concern. And so it's, you know, 16% walk rate through his first few outings. Uh, I'm a little bit alarmed to back him, but Tyler glass now in his current form should not be minus 300 on the road against any major league ball club. Uh, and I think that this line has just gotten way too out of hand on glass. Now uh, he did see some, you know, improved whiff rates and, and uh, stuff in the last outing. So you saw a little bit of a jump in his strikeout rate, uh, but then he leaves the game with like, you know, some tightness and kind of cramped up. So where are we on glass now, right now with the velocity not being back to normal, but what that means is that he's just more vulnerable to get jumped. 
Uh, if he tries to sit in that fastball and, and pound the zone with the heaters, and you know, we, you know, a mile or two less than normal, um, you're going to see that reflected in barrel rate and homers allowed. And sure enough, uh, he's allowed 17 barrels in his first 95 batted balls in baseball this year. So certainly a concern with Glass. Uh, you know, I don't think he's a four-six pitcher, which is what his XERA would tell you. But I don't think that he's a sub-four pitcher right now with his ERA, which is what some of the projection systems have him for and that kind of how the market is pricing him uh, very highly. Now the Royals are going to have trouble getting 27 outs. Uh, there's a reason they're plus 240 at home, but uh, the numbers just gotten too out of hand and uh, I'm going to have to take the Royals and throw some, some money down the drain. Probably. <laughs> uh, the Rays have lost their last two Tyler Glasnow starts and three of the last four. That, yeah. They've been it. scuffling a little bit. I'm not really concerned about it because uh, they're they're still pretty solidly in control of the division in my view, but uh, the the starting pitching injuries with Glass not being quite right and McClanahan going to the injured list and obviously Springs and Raz being done, yep. uh, it's starting to be a problem. Uh, they're getting they're getting kind of tested here. Charlie, favorite underdog for Friday? Yeah, so I am heading out Cleveland Moneyline, Savali against John Gray, another offense like Tampa, Texas, that is a daunted one. But I think that when you look at this matchup, the edges point toward Cleveland, and this should be you know, closer to that 110, 115 range rather than plus 130 where it's at right now. Savali's an under-the-radar pitcher. Uh, DeBundo has talked about him plenty of times, and over the last uh, 30 days, he's top 10 in stuff plus. I know that that's, you know, one of his keys when it comes to evaluating pitchers across the board. Savali's really taken strides compared to last year's struggles. He's got a sub 5% barrel rate. His hard hit rate is back down to around that 2019 to 2020 lows that he posted. So, you know, a, a way different pitcher than he has in the last couple of years. And while his strikeouts are down a bit, it's not, that concerning given where he sits when it comes to his stuff plus over the last 30 days and walks are the biggest issue when it comes to him. But you look at this matchup and John Gray is a pitcher that I've continually faded year or I guess start after start after a dominant, you know, first couple of months, he's got a lot of issues. And and while he does limit barrels and, and hard hits, he does have a low strikeout rate. He doesn't generate many swings and misses. And I think the biggest key here is that he forces a lot less ground balls this year and given the fact that he's now striking out less batters as well, there's going to be more opportunities for dangerous spots for the Cleveland offense to take advantage of. They're an offense that has been trending upwards over the last 14, 15, or 15, 20 days. They've been around that league average rank as opposed to, you know, that 25 to 30 range they've been in all season long. They don't strike out and they put the ball in play. And that's something that Gray has been able to kind of mitigate, but I don't think that it's going to happen here uh, John Gray, his expected batting average is the worst since 2020, and his expected slugging is back up above 400. So you look at the pitching matchups, I think Savali is a significantly better pitcher than John Gray. And then the bullpens, I'd give the edge to Cleveland, even with Classe's kind of step back this, this season. I do think, and you know, both fully rested pens, I still give the edge to Cleveland here. And yes, Texas's offense is obviously going to be better than Cleveland, but I just think that at this price, uh, Cleveland is too long of an underdog, and I would back them down to about that plus 115, 110 range. Yeah, whether you agree with it or not, like Texas and Atlanta having as many all-stars as they did uh, is interesting because, you know, it's just they didn't get the week off. Half their team traveled to Seattle. 
And for Atlanta, especially, that's quite a trip. So mm-hmm. uh, it does factor in maybe a little bit uh, for them. Uh, you know, maybe it's like a one or 2% difference. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, before we get to some second half futures, Debundo, you've got one more, a player prop in a game where uh, the Braves, speaking of, they're in action against the White Sox. You've got an angle there, and then we've got the triple sevens from Charlie. Uh, we'll go Debundo first, then to Charlie. Yeah, so the under took a lot of money here uh, because of Kopech coming off of injury. Uh, mm-hmm. He hasn't pitched in a while, and and that certainly is a concern for him, but, uh, and kind of w- what the usage looks like. Uh, but in terms of you know, like the IL stint itself, it wasn't a particularly long one. So I'm not too worried about, uh, issues there. Uh, the strikeout numbers have been normal for Michael Kopech for the last month. He got roughed up in a couple of starts, but he wasn't, uh, it, it was more just like, you know, he gets barreled up, gives up a couple of homers. He still was able to generate strikeouts, uh, strikeout rate over a strikeout per inning, uh, in, six of his eight starts prior to that injury. And he last pitched June 27th. So, you know, about a three week layoff roughly, uh, but you know, over four and a half plus plus one thirty against this Braves lineup, which has not struck out nearly as much this year, but the projection systems all think will strike out more going forward. Uh, I think with the sleepy potential, like we just had our entire team fly across the country to Seattle and then come back to Atlanta. Uh, we didn't really get an all-star break. There is some potential built-in fatigue for that for the Braves, uh, and that even if they are successful in hitting Kopech, uh, a guy with a 25% plus strikeout rate against this lineup in this park, which uh, the park factors, Stackhouse park factors, do think that Atlanta uh, does give a little bit of a strikeout boost as a ballpark. All of that means that I think four and a half plus 130 is just a little too low. Uh, I like the over on Michael Kopech strikeouts. Charlie, you've got your triple sevens for the this Friday as we return for the second half. Yeah, so triple sevens. Uh, what a great time to start than fade Rich Hill. Uh, Patrick Bailey uh-huh. crushes left-handed pitching. Uh, you know, Rich Hill might take every dollar from me, but I will not be fading him as far as a side goes, but I have continually backed props. Patrick Bailey, really impressive numbers against left-handed uh, pitching. He's got a near 13% barrel rate and 50% extra base hit rate against lefties. So I'm going him in that San Francisco-Pittsburgh game. Devondo just talked about Kopech. I'm going Sean Murphy to hit a home run over one half total bases. Listen, uh, you know, you look at this lineup, everyone talks about Ronald Acuna, Matt Olson, Austin Riley. Sean Murphy has been under the radar, has been absolutely incredible. You look at how he is, how the Braves are against right-handed pitching. The top three at WRC+, Acuna 165, 
Olsen, 163. Sean Murphy, 162. The next best is Darno at 115. So there's a clear top three, and Murphy is never priced like Acuna or Olsen, and he gets a good matchup here against a player like Kopak who gives up a lot of barrels and a lot of hard hits, which is not to say that he could still strike out this lineup. But so I'm taking Murphy there. And then the last one, I wanted to take uh, Harrison Bader, but he is completely overpriced at minus 150. Instead, Anthony Volpe, minus 110 for total bases compared to just about every other Yankee in that like 130 to 150 range. I'm not really sure why Volpe is so underpriced here. Uh, you look at against left-handed pitching, he's got a 235 isolated power, and that's fourth on the team. But that also, when you look at who's ahead of him, Bader, Donaldson, Stanton, the three of them combined for just nine more plate appearances than Volpe does against lefties. So Volpe's played the entire season. He's been a different pitcher since June, a 260 average with a 41% extra base hit rate. So he's seeing the ball a lot better. He's finally over the Mendoza line. He's swinging the bat a lot better. He's priced this way probably because, you know, boom puts him toward the bottom of the lineup, but we could even see him jump up. And if that's the case against Austin Gomber, I love him to do some damage here. So those are my triple sevens. If you want more into the whole analysis, uh, the article should be dropping within the next hour. Every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, by noon Eastern time, the article will be up on the Action website and Action app. Okay, very good. So be on the lookout for that throughout the course of the second half of the season. All right, before we go, uh, let's do a quick midseason futures segment, win totals, a Shohei Otani minute, because there is some reporting coming out. Buster only, pretty connected at ESPN. He's pretty Yankee connected over the years. I'm maybe a little biased because I'm like, oh, Buster only has Yankee news. Yep, that's typical because, you know, Red Sox fan over here. Anyway, um, Yankees are in if the Angels make Otani available. We'll we'll get to Otani. Charlie's got thoughts on that. DeBundo, any futures you'd like to dabble in now? And folks, this is these markets, win totals, playoffs, win totals especially. You got to get in on this now before the second half starts and that market will disappear. So anything that you'd like to give out now before we start the weekend? I believe we had a conversation about this in uh, the Uber the other day. I do not remember. So <laughs> yeah, it was so, definitely uh, after hours. Take that with for what it's worth. Uh, over 83 and a half wins for the Boston Red Sox. Okay. Now I do remember you mentioning Anzarillo that you liked Cutter Crawford. You like Bayo. So you like the pitching. And this is back to your undervalued pitchers for the second half. So I guess this does correlate. Yeah, I mean, the Red Sox uh, have two of the pitchers that are featured in the column. You just mentioned them. You're stealing my thunder here. But uh, I'm I'm a believer in Bayo and Crawford is kind of Bayo taking that first next step forward into the, like an upper tier starter and Crawford giving them solid mid-level rotation innings. Uh, Stuff Plus has always liked him. He's got multiple pitches over 100. Uh, the strikeout minus walk rate has improved this year. The results have improved. He's actually been uh, a quality starter when he's been on the mound this year. <clears throat> James Paxton has held the fastball velocity and kept the strikeout rate uh, up. You know, he's given up some homers. He's gotten blown up a couple times, but again, solid pitching. And I've always liked this Boston lineup. They have a ton of on-base skill. They put a lot of pressure on opposing defenses and opposing uh, pitching because they, t- they, they see balls. Well, they have good discipline. They get on base uh, and, and with everybody kind of just having good solid seasons, there's no like, Oh my gosh, this player's doing this unsustainably good thing in the first half. Devers was fine. Yoshida yeah. was good. Like mm-hmm. nobody had like that breakout, uh, you know, but it's just a really deep, solid lineup. Uh, and and so I'm buying the Red Sox. 
Also, if Boston were to sell, like who are they selling? And so for that reason, I'm a little bit less likely to uh, you know be concerned about them because they could sell maybe like an Adam Duvall, but Duvall only played about half the first half. So it's not like he's like a huge piece of their lineup. Um, so I, I'm buying the Red Sox over 83 and a half wins. I think they're going to be uh, in the mix for that wild card, especially since Toronto and New York and even Seattle are just not going to be able to pull away. I don't think they think they're all too flawed at the current moment to really separate from Boston. Uh, and that will keep them in the race and keep them in the mix uh, over 83 and a half wins. I As for world just... series. Oh, well, hold on one second. You just get to say all that. And I can't weigh in quickly. I mean, come on now. Yes, I mean, I'm, ve- I'm just very happy you didn't do what we've been doing now for the last four, three or four summers. Well, and, and maybe BJ will go down this road. Well, and you know, what if they get Chris Sale back and he gives them something at the end of the year, back end of the rotation? Maybe he throws a couple of innings out of the bullpen to give the bullpen a night off. Like, thank you for not doing that because it's been going on now for the last couple of summers and I'm sick of it because I'm already I'm already ready for it to bundo. By the time the deadline comes, that's coming. You watch. Well, it, sales progressing. He looked good in his bullpen. The stuff looks good. The velocity's up. But what if Chris Sale gives them something? All of a sudden, the rotation's deeper. You didn't do that. So thank you for, for that. And um, they're not getting Otani either. So Yeah, like I don't really buy the Red Sox because the starting pitching is not – like there's no high-end starting pitching in Boston to the point where like they have upside, I think, for like a World Series run if they were to sneak in the wild card. But yeah. they're only – uh, two games out of the second wild card, like they are not going to be out of this race. So I can't see Bloom blowing it up. Okay, uh, go ahead. So we're going to move it along here. So go ahead with the World Series, uh, your World Series dabbling. Yeah, I haven't bet uh, or given out any World Series futures uh, on this show, which is kind of lame. Oh. But uh, I am intrigued by a, a pocket of three teams kind of in the mid-20s, one of which is my beloved Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, huh. You can find it like 28, 30 to 1. Uh, look, it's the same recipe as last season. Nobody's going to be shocked by this. Uh, but if the Phillies get into a short series, which they're likely to be in the playoffs and they're likely to be in the three-gamer in the first round, Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler are top 10, top 12 stuff plus guys. Last 30 days, they found their form again. Uh, they're both a high-end starting pitchers. Uh, and the lineup has uh, a lot of depth. So with those two things and a bullpen that's pitched like a top five bullpen in baseball since June, so even since May really, uh, they're going to be a really tough out. And I think you could make a strong case they're the second best team in the National League right now. Now, will the Dodgers get healthy and be better than them? Probably. Uh, could the Padres, if they were to get in, be favored than them over a three-game series? Probably. But I think right now, based on just how they're playing, the Phillies could be the second and the biggest threat to Atlanta. And I think it's a real possibility with Arizona kind of starting to teeter a little bit, not, not a ton of pitching depth there uh, and, and whatnot, not really believing in the Brewers so, and, and the Marlins. So I'm kind of interested in Philly at 28 to one. And then the other two teams that are right next to them in the odds boards, uh, the Minnesota twins. Now it sounds crazy, but they're going to be most likely the division representative as the three seed, uh, which also means they're going to avoid Tampa in a potential five game series, which if Tampa gets their pitching healthy is going to be a really, really tough out uh, in the playoffs. And, also, uh, their pitching is really good. They're top five in starter strikeout minus walk rate. They are top three in starter stuff plus. Joe Ryan has lost a little bit of ride on the fastball, and the splitter has kind of fallen. He's regressed a little bit. But that's a, that's a top three with Sonny Gray and Joe Ryan, 
uh, and Bailey Ober and Pablo Lopez, even, you know, that, that rotation is good. And they, they do barrel the ball a lot. And in the playoffs, homers matter. So you could make the case for the twins uh, being a little bit of a dark horse, just because this AL wildcard race is so insane. The twins have probably the easiest path of all those teams to get to the playoffs, just because they're going to win their division at 500 um, potentially. So the, the twins are interesting to me. And then the other team was the Orioles. This is more dependent on Elias and, and kind of what he does at the deadline. But if they go get one good starter at the deadline, they call up Grayson and their young guys continue to develop. Uh, Baltimore is going to be a really tough out with Bradish Wells, Grayson and insert starter here. Uh, I would love to bet them as a dog. Zerillo and I had this conversation that you might get a really good dog price on Baltimore in the wildcard series, just because their pitching looks light on paper. But again, these are guys that we've consistently bet on because we think that the market is undervaluing them. And then that would still be true come playoff time. If we got there. I don't think that was an Uber conversation. Just want to add that. We did not discuss that in the Uber. Okay. Thank you, Charlie. What do you got for us? A couple more here. And I know you want to hit on Otani angels, please. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I will say the twins give me nightmares, but I hope that they can make a run. I do like their team. Uh, my future that I'm looking at uh, blue Jays 10 to one to win the American league. I think that this kind of goes in part with, you know, them making a move at the deadline and then picking up another starting pitcher. But when you look at this lineup, they're a top 10 offense. Bo Bichette's having another career year, Vlad Guerrero juniors power and, and whatever he had injury wise in the early season is, is gone. We saw that with the home run derby power that he's had, but it, it, this is a lineup that is one of the best in baseball. And when they're hitting, they're the best. And we saw that last season, their bullpen and starting pitching does have some question marks, but I think that at this number, they're pretty undervalued. You look at their depth chart. Uh, Kevin Gosman is an incredible ace. He's number, he's a number one. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. Kikuchi and Barrios, two guys that we faded nonstop last season have actually put up pretty impressive numbers. Kikuchi over the last month or so has been toward that top 10 and stuff. Plus as the uh, bundo has posted many times about in the baseball slack, that stuff plus last 30 days leaderboard and Jose Barrios limiting up a, a lot more hard hits and less barrels than last season. So if they add another starter, because Chris Bassett, not too high on Alec Manoa, who, that's just a conversation for a different day. But even if he somehow returns to form, this team from top to bottom is among the best in the American League. And then quickly, just San Diego, they're about plus 300 to make the playoffs right now. I have I have a lot on them as far as like exposure goes with winning the National League and, and Juan Soto for MVP. But I do think that they're a plus 300 decently live to make the playoffs and make a run. They're about, you know, six and a half games out, but I don't think that Miami, San Francisco, all these teams that are kind of ahead of them are as legit and think that San Diego, they've been historically bad on offense with runners in scoring position. That's not going to continue. Manny Machado is finally swinging a good bat. So with this offense kind of clicking and hitting better, I'm expecting them to kind of not sell and continue to push through, especially with given how Blake Snell, Joe Musgrove and the rest of the starting pitching have been over the last month and a month plus they've been extremely dominant. And then you want to talk on the angel stuff. I, there's a lot of ways that you can attack this, right? Like I already have, we talked about this me and you right before at the home run derby, Brendan, the angels under is not a bad look, but I have so much exposed as far as like oh, them to make the playoffs and them to win the world series that at this point, if I bet they're under, there's a chance they end up with 80 to 82 wins, don't make the playoffs, and then I lose everything. So yeah. I'm not going to say and, – and to miss the playoffs, that number's pretty much far gone. But if you don't have 
in any Angels exposure, I would not be against you taking that under. And another way that you could be going in the market would be potentially going with uh, Shohei Otani not to win the AL MVP at plus 460 yep. or Corey Seager to win MVP at 17 to 1. Because if Otani were to be traded and it were not to be to the Yankees and he were to go to the National League, then obviously that opens up the floor for just about for anybody else to win. And I think Corey Seager will end up running away with it if Otani were not to be in the in, in the AL. Seager's having a career year in MVP season. The issue is, is that Otani's just as good. But or sorry, not just as good, just as good on the offensive end. And then he's incredible on the, on the pitching mm-hmm. side, too. But that would be the way that I would look to play it. I like personally have a Seager MVP ticket, so I might be chilling. But but just to talk about the whole Otani thing, if he ends up in the NL, that opens up things completely. But I'm not against an under uh, for their win total because I with Trout out about another month, it's it's going to be tough. I just think the only team that can trade for him in the National League is the Dodgers. And I don't think they're going to do it. All right. Very good. We'll find out. We had a couple more weeks to find out if Otani is dealt or not. Angels under, a tradition like no other. Get in on it. Trout leaning towards two months. Uh, also, Zerillo said this. I agree. Well, it's factual. They have the fifth hardest schedule in the second half. They played Tampa twice. Oakland only two more times. That's it. Angels under. Do it. 79 and a half wins. Don't forget to download and follow these guys over in the Action Network app. You don't download them. Download the app to find them in the Action Network app. Please leave us a rating if you don't mind on the podcast. We're looking forward to a great second half here on Payoff Pitch. For Charlie DeSterco, Anthony DeBundo, Brendan Glasheen, thanks for listening to Payoff Pitch. Action Network's MLB betting podcast presented by BetMGM. We're back. See you next week. Look at this crowd on its feet. What a tribute. No one wants to leave. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.